This is the Ink, Pray, Love podcast. We talk all things health, wealth, and community connection. Let's go. Today we have blue, which stands for beauty, love, and unity. And it's a beautiful thing. And she's a beautiful person. She's a motivational speaker, an artist, a musician, and a podcast host. She's the co-founder of Fluorescence, a modern mystery school for women. She's an epic human, everyone, and I'm so excited for you all to meet her. You're going to learn a lot from this. Slow down <laughs> and listen, because there's some gold in this for you. Blue, I am so happy to have you today. Thank you so much for joining me. I was looking forward to this for a really long time. Ever since we got to properly connect at the Fit for Service, Aubrey Marcus, and I was rocking up to a deep dive, you know, legends of legends, masters of masters, breathwork, fireside meeting, having no role in that meeting, rocking up like the new guy. <laughs> I got to see you there. And it was like, thank God I know someone other than Lucas the Hella, like a face. Thank you for that and bringing me in. <laughs> Tell me what that was like for you. Oh, well, when you, I mean, I, I, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm truly very honored and I'm really excited for the start of this wave that you are rippling into the hearts of humans all over the world. So uh, truly an honor to be able to come and share my stories and, and things that have supported me on my path. And also, um, it's, it's so exciting to be able to actually like collaborate and connect since we have been homies and had so many mutual friends online, but like not actually been able to share uh, space together. So uh, when we actually got to connect in person, it was such a beautiful moment. You know, I, I couldn't have planned it better in this sense of like, oh yeah, the first time that I'm going to meet Aaron is going to be when I'm sitting around a fire, diving deep into the complexities of what it means to truly hold space in breathwork, sat around my brothers and sisters that are of the highest caliber in their level of mastery, pushing the parameters of what they even know is possible and from that place being of service. And so it was like a very postcard cinematic experience. And you kind of, I didn't even know you were coming and you just sort of like appeared out of the crowd and st stood around the fire. And, uh, and I was like, Aaron, hi, I haven't actually met you in person. Um, and so uh, that was a really, really special moment. And it was definitely captured in time and will be etched into my heart for a lifetime. Um, in this oh sense of, God. I really start, you know, like start as you mean to go on. And I would like to continue the bar to be really high in the sense of as we continue to collaborate, that is only in the most amazing magical spaces and, and surrounded by humans that reflect the beauty that you feel within your own heart. So here we are podcasting after that. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. It's all in all, you, you, you were just such a bright and vibrant you, and it makes me so happy. And when I saw you there, I was confused first, most because I was like, wait, 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 what? Like, and it was a funny moment to come into because you were wearing this big like costume because that night was the, um, you know, the shadow side ecstatic dance and mm -hmm. so i didn't have a costume and lucas and hella last minute were like hey do you want to come to aubrey marcus and fit for service and all these legendary people will be there i'm like yeah of course i'll drop everything and just fly down tag along yeah. and tagging along has been an was an absolute 
understatement to that moment because I rock up and it's like all these masterful people. And then me, random person rocking up like, hey guys. And it's like breath work. Like, like they're, you guys are doing a thing. You guys are all facilitators. And I'm like, you guys want some water or something? Like, how can I get you anything? Like, I, I have no role in this. And it's like a team meeting. And I don't know where else to go or what to do, but I'm somehow in this meeting. And Aubrey comes in wearing a Genghis Khan outfit and like looking like he's just he's just a boss king warrior coming through. And I'm like, what do I do here? <laughs> and and I'm in the back. I see you and I'm like, thank God. Okay, I finally get to meet Blue. Blue's fucking awesome. Now, what do I do in this situation? And you guys are all around the fire. And I'm back there with like one of Aubrey's buddies, that jacked guy who was shirtless. And I'm beside him. And it's like a very serious moment where he's like going deep. Aubrey can can really hold space. He's he's leading like a king. And then all of a sudden, this grasshopper falls directly on my head, on the crown of my head. And I go, <laughs> the fuck was that? <laughs> and everybody looks at me. I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd have to say, Aaron, that you do serve a, a sacred purpose, even if you don't have like a physical role. There, you're just your presence alone is a contribution. So don't underestimate the power of the essence of just who you are and recognizing that you are the medicine, first and foremost. Secondly, what an amazing way to bring levity into the space than a grasshopper landing on your head. What a great way to introduce you to the space and for all of our attention to be placed on you just for a micro moment where you have a, a grasshopper that is bringing you the medicine onto the crown and landing you into the space. So please just know that your presence is very welcome and, um, and you are already contributing and the, the grasshopper was just the cherry on top of the cake i appreciate that very much and then the grasshopper seemed to have landed on everyone in the circle and during this big dramatic speech of like the music we're going through in the breath work all that this grasshopper landed and like freaked out everybody and like we're like oh grasshopper and, like it land on you and then you'd be like ah. and like it was like everyone <laughs> it landed on every single person there so kind of like it's like I started it and then it like went to everybody and I was like, okay, at least uh -huh. it wasn't just me that like uh -huh. during this big serious moment was like, the fuck was that? <laughs> like, actually, <laughs> like I felt more comfortable that everybody was involved in it. Um, uh -huh. But later on in that, there was something that I, I'll never forget during the breath work. And I was going so deep, obviously you were there with me and it's like, the moment that cracked me really open was us telling Aubrey about the crash and, and I believe you and during the breath work, the accident, you know, came up for me and it was firstly, oh my God, that was so hard. Like, wow, that was intense. And then you're carrying still so much from that. Let it go. Here's the time. And just then Aubrey comes and puts his hand on my chest and he has, says, brother, remember that story you told me in the kitchen? now's the time. And I was like, and like went full odd, crazy deep. And then you came and I just remember you putting a finger on my third eye mm -hmm. and then it was just like, like a buffo uh, trip, like, like doing DMT <laughs> and you and me, I was full like convulsing, shaking. Yeah. And then you went on the ride with me. Oh, I was riding there with you, bro. After. I was in the experience yeah. with you. <laughs> I remember yeah. me telling you about that. And you were like, oh yeah, we went on a plane ride together. And it was 
burned in my skull for a long time of you going, wee, like this plane uh, thing that you did. Like, oh, we were just flying together. And that went in my head for months, like months <laughs> after that. I thought of you and doing, you just, we just flew together. <laughs> what was what what got you what was that moment like for you first and then i want to get into the blue origin story of how did you become this epic goddess human thanks um yeah so breathwork in itself is such a crazy wild phenomenon in the sense of being able to access heightened states of consciousness being able to uh go to places that you can go in plant medicine ceremonies um being able to uh, start to enhance the secretion of the dmt in your pineal gland through accessing the altered states of consciousness just through our breath alone which is so profound and phenomenal and what's so exciting is that if you're alive you're breathing so you have access to this modality uh, it doesn't matter what price bracket you in it doesn't matter where you were born from it doesn't matter what passport you hold it's literally right here the answer is hidden in plain sight and 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 breathwork has been such an incredible tool to be able to move beyond the mind and into the somatic feeling of the body and be able to access files that have been dormant for so long and yet through the breath and through an intention and through a, a safe space we can access those places and be able to remove the trauma through the body through the breath and out and so every single time is different. I have never done breath work twice and it'd be the same thing. Um, and also same with the facilitation and just holding space for those that are moving through trauma release. Those are moving through somatic shaking and purging and crying and sweating to allow it to move on a somatic level. And so there was a moment when I came over to you, I was, I was holding space in, in, in the breath work and, and I was just every single person I sit down is like a quantum computer of unique codes, right? There is no single person that are different. Yes, the only thing that exists is right now. And simultaneously, all of your life experiences, everything you've ever processed, all of your heartbreak, all of your breakthroughs, everything in between also is there with you at the same time. And so every single person I sit with, it's about a deep level of listening of that which is needed in every moment. Because when it comes from a place of this is what I'm supposed to do, this is still operating from the mind and we're bypassing the feeling of listening. And so when I came and sat with you, I just listened and I take a breath and I tune into where you're at. And then I'm guided to touch or place my hands or just breathe with you or process the emotions through my body with you in a deeper level of empathy there's many different ways and expressions and so what I was guided to do was to just connect you to um essentially what I was shown was that you were moving through what has happened and then it was about connecting with you where you're going so it was like being able to add the range the fullness of the expression so it's like carving out what has happened in the past carving out and moving continue to move through the trauma in your body that still sits in the 70 trillion cells of your body and allowing it to start to come up through the chakras and then eventually got to the the top where it was also a connection of the infinite magical multi-dimensional nature of what it truly means to be human and what it truly means to be you and so when I placed my, my finger on your third eye, it was like all of a sudden we became this like psychonaut cosmic comrades that decided to go blasting out through the ethers and go reconnect with actually the miraculous nature of what it truly means to be human, recognizing that we're floating on a massive rock hailing through space at hundreds of thousands of miles an hour held into orbit by a giant ball of fire. And so realizing that actually this life is inherently magic and inherently profound. And so giving being able to 
provide a safe space for you to be able to carve out the trauma and then to go reconnect to your cosmic nature was such a beautiful opportunity for us to fly through the cosmos. <laughs> and when I when I placed my finger on your third eye, uh, my eyes rolled back. I was like, Dong. it was like just right in, you know, it was almost like a happy up the nose. It was like. and it was like my heart was pounding and there was so much unconditional love that was flowing through me and then also connected to the cosmos and then seeing each other as allies on that trip and so uh it was such a gift and it was such a fun little experience and i'm so grateful that i got to be able to be there for you while you were going through some deep inner work and some deep healing and ultimately reconnecting to your cosmic self oh my god (laughs) i love i love that Uh, what i want to know the cosmic self and but side note we will always be allies forever after that Mm -hmm. after that bonding experience like i'll forever be your ally that was so Mm -hmm. deep if you ever want to connect deeply with someone and forever be connected go on a cosmic journey ride on a on a on a quantum plane together (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Welcome what, to Quantum Allies, destination unknown. <laughs> All aboard. <laughs> where where do you place like a definition in reconnecting to your cosmic self? Where do I place a what? Yeah, what what would you define that as? How would you how would you define reconnecting to your cosmic self? Mm. Well, for me, Uh, my personal read on the experience is recognizing of like I don't remember what happened before I came here into this physical being into this physical body and I don't really know fully with a capital K like I don't know the truth um of where we really go after this like now I've, I've i've had conversations with some brilliant people and people that remember all of their past lives matthias Stefano. like I've, I've i've also personally been blasted off to experiences where i've seen life beyond the veil however i think there's a problematic uh, knowing the truth like the truth uh because it's also very rigid <laughs> so i open myself up yeah. to the infinite possibility of of what it truly means to be a cosmic human however what that really is the definition of that would mean to me is recognizing that if you were to weigh a physical body um just before it dies um it would weigh a certain amount and then you weigh the body again after the soul uh, uh, the body has died and it weighs exactly the same amount now you can significantly feel that there is no longer a soul inside of that body, but it's weightless, right? So it, it actually doesn't have a form. It's, uh, it's an infinite essence. It's the soul's nature. Yet you can definitely tell once the soul, once the, the body is dead, that there is, it's lifeless. There is no soul left in it. You can see it's completely devoid of all life. There's no chi running through the body anymore. So the inquiry of like, yeah, that's exactly a great example. So um, <laughs> it's like, it's recognizing that there is also, there's, 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 a, there's, there's something that is inside, inhabited inside of this being in this cell that brings the life force energy alive, which is called our soul. Now, I believe that energy and Albert Einstein talks about energy is not created nor destroyed, only changed in form. So you cannot actually destroy the soul. The soul is eternal. The soul is energy, is life force energy. And so, I believe that we are so much more vaster than anything that we have ever really necessarily been told since we were born in the sense of our eternal nature of our soul and recognizing that I, I believe that we came to this planet to 
understand and to remember what it truly means to love. And we must work through all of the curriculum that isn't that. So everything that will present itself that is crunchy or like, oh, there's an agitation or there's a trigger or I'm annoyed at this person or this person caught me off and I'm mad at this or I don't, I, I have to learn how to slow down. And so I'm going to get into an accident kind of like curriculum that's going to actually allow I know that me. one. Um, you know, that, I, that's why I brought it up. It may have been your <laughs> Um, and, and so recognizing that if we are infinite and energy can't be created nor destroyed and changed in form and our soul is basically energy, then there has got to be so much more than just this lifetime. And so uh, I also think about the nature of the fact that it's so two pieces. There's one that every single person on this planet came through by being born and i think that sometimes it's easy to distill or to water down the profound miracle that it is for a woman to be able to call in a non-physical being into their body and push it out of the stargate enterprise between their legs from non-physical <laughs> to physical form into reality every single person on this planet came from a woman every single person on this planet was a non-physical being that materialized into a physical being and then pushed the portal between someone's legs or cesarean was was cut out of the belly can we just acknowledge the majestic nature of what it means to be alive oh my gosh secondly i think every single night <laughs> wait, wait, every single night we go to bed and it's like our quantum computers our bodies power off and then our souls get catapulted to the realm of infinite possibilities, also known as dreaming. And so every single night we are transversing multiverses. We are materializing and dematerializing. We are allowing ourselves to navigate through the infinite realm of our subconscious mind. And we are being able to actually create a deeper level of self and sense of awareness based off of this realm of infinite possibilities that our souls go to every single night. So when we actually just look at these two examples side by side, please tell me why you're not a cosmic being. <laughs> I'll be listening. I'll be listening. I'm here. I, 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 I got nothing to say to that. <laughs> Case point made no objections. 1000%. We are quantum cosmic spiritual bodies, you know, <laughs> reflections of God, God flowing through us. And it blows me away. And I think we forget that a lot in city life, you know, and coming to move back to Vancouver after, you know, seven years on a tropical island in Bali. Now it's like I'm in the matrix. You know, you know what I mean? It kind of feels like you're in L.A. So being in the matrix in city life, but remembering that we are here to love, you know, it's not just about having a new fancy shit. It's it's hey, we're here to love. We're here to connect to our quantum selves. What do you, what's your personal practice on this? And then also for people that are deeper in it, that are, you know, brokers that are, you know, doctors, lawyers, like matrix in it, in it, what do you, how do you give your knowledge in a way that can connect to them to inspire them mm -hmm. to shift? Mm -hmm. All right. So let's go to the first question. Then remind me what the second one is after <coughs> I answer this one. Um, so the first question being like, I live yeah. in LA, right? I would love to hear your perspective before I go into answering what your perspective of the matrix is. Okay. Uh, 
I've, I've noticed this. So my personal perspective was coming back and it's like, oh, wow, taxes and traffic and and all this like news and propaganda and just like the system that's been created in cities, which is amazing because it's our evolution as humans to create skyscrapers. And, you know, the, te- the future is here. When I'm in the tropical island driving my scooter, it's like palm trees. It's chill. It's connected to nature. I love it, but I'm not in the the system that's been made out here that does breed fear. It does breed like, like just a monotonous day in day out, you know, pay your bills and maybe get drunk on the weekends. Like that's kind of how I feel. It's, it's easy to get into that rut. So I call the matrix us not being as connected to nature and connected to man-made constructs that confine us uh, in, in rigidity. So we just have to be, this cookie cutter lives, single serving friends, uh, pay your bills and die. Like that type of stuff is what I would confine, like call the matrix. And then the other side of it is connecting to love, abundance, God, uh, everyone, we're all one. And that deeper sense that I always feel happier when I vibrate at that frequency. Mm-hmm. And when I'm deep in it, I want to be the king of the jungle and I just want fancy shit. And I like nice shit. But when I let that rule my life, I'm less happy. <laughs> okay beautiful i just asked that um obviously i have my own relationship with the matrix but i'm just thinking on behalf of your listeners for anybody just from the full yeah. range of experiences whether they are new on their path or whether they are um you know deeply on the path of self-discovery ultimately um that term can be misconstrued if it doesn't have a definition behind it of what you're referring to um and I, I I agree and I resonate. Um, I have my own way of detecting the matrix in the sense of the reality that has been projected onto us and running what we think is success being that we have more money and more followers on Instagram and more fame. And that production is the thing that actually is what makes you successful. And the more you produce that day is the more successful that you are. However, for me, the massive mm-hmm. glitch in the matrix is when I reprogrammed my relationship to success is how much did I laugh today? Not how much did I produce? Not how much did I, how many followers did I get? Not how much money I made today, but how much did I laugh today? How much vitality was running through every single cell of my being that allowed me to tap into the genius of a child and allow me to get out of my own head and into my heart to deeply feel the zest of what it means to be alive in the simplicity of the mundane, not necessarily the miraculous. And recognizing the miraculous is laced with the mundane if you're laughing. And so that is me kind of like making my own glitch out of the matrix and creating a new barometer of what success is, as opposed to what has been projected on me since the moment that I was born. Um, and then regarding mm. living in Los Angeles, mm. yes, I'm in the belly of the beast, you know, I, like energetically, this is like the beast. And uh, we've got the United <laughs> States, which is its own beast in itself. Um, and then we've also uh-huh. got within that space, we've got Los Angeles and, and Los Angeles uh, holds every place holds its vibration a vibrational charge so you've got your individual frequency then you've got the frequency of the collective of that space and then you've got the collective frequency of the whole planet so every country has its own frequency you know you go to bali it's very different but you go to india it's very different you go to la it's very different and so la has a certain frequency now we're not only processing our own individual frequency which is a byproduct of what we eat 
who we surround ourselves with, who we follow online, um, how much time we're spending in nature, how much we're we working out. Like all of this certain stuff is, is either raising and enhancing and enriching our frequency or it's depleting and it's subtracting and taking away, depending on that that um, is, is, is in alliance with um, vibrancy. So for me, because I live in the belly of the beast um, and it is a very dense energetics here, um, and there's a lot of how I pick it up. I'm more of a feeling person. So how I pick up the world is I, I'm kind of like a dog. I go through vibration. It's not about what you look like. It's not about how many followers you have. It's not about how successful successful you are. It's about um, your heart. That's what I pick up on. Mm. That's what the thing mm. that will speak and translate to me. So um, when I, you know, being living in Los Angeles, um, it's so important for me to recognize that I'm going to start humming at the frequency of that which I am in and how can I counterbalance the dense energy by upping my devotional practice, upping my exercise routine, mm. making sure that my home environment is always clean um, and that my bed is always made because how you do anything is how you do everything. And like making my bed in the morning is a direct testament of how I'm going to show up for the day. Um, making sure that I have fresh flowers in the house. You know, this is bringing freshness. So what I'm doing is I'm making sure that even from the level of my microbiome and my gut, to my health, to my environment, to my practice where I place my attention is the greatest spiritual currency that exists, where you place your attention is where your energy flows and where energy flows back in. Um, and so I make sure that based off of the world, I am welcoming the world into my frequency, not the world is welcoming me into this. Okay, that's a significant difference is that if I am in the presence of somebody and I am grounded and I am rooted and my internal conversation says, I know who I am, I know why I'm here and I know how I serve. When I am in the presence of that individual and they may be vibrating at the frequency of anxiety, my frequency is so deeply rooted, the roots of my tree have gone so deeply into the ground because of my devotional practice every day that I welcome them into a sense of peace. And in my presence, without saying a word, the whole nervous system goes, <sighs> mm. this feels good. I love it. Nice. I enjoy being in this person's mm. presence, you know, and mm. that is a byproduct mm. of recognizing that a devotional path is a devotion towards vitality, a devotion towards enrichment and a devotion towards healing on all levels. And that is the wow. gift that we get to give people is recognizing that when one person has claimed and taken power back and started to walk their own authentic path, they become medicine to every single person they come into contact with. You don't even need to say a single word. It could literally be transferred with just a single look. This is mm. how powerful we are as humans. Mm. We place so much power externally thinking that, you know, it's in ayahuasca or it's on psilocybin that is going to actually allow me to access to my divine nature. No, you are the medicine. Those medicines are just going to show you mm. the essence of who you already are. And how can you continue to claim that on a devotional practice and a daily routine that allows you to anchor that so deeply into the earth that your roots are touching the core of the earth. So when the wind blows, that tree ain't going nowhere. It may sway a little bit, but it's not being uprooted. Mm. Mm -hmm. And because of I the vibrational this. charge in Los you... Angeles, it's like, it's so strong in LA. It's like so intense that if you don't have deep roots, you can get very lost here. Now, if I was in Peru in the jungle, yeah. I, it would be easier for me to operate in, in a place where I'm connecting with nature and I'm walking barefoot and there's no Wi-Fi and it's like it's, it's much easier to be connected there. Mm -hmm. However, being in LA, you're going to have to really double down on, um, on building a very solid system from the inside out. And then that's the way that you don't get lost out at sea without an anchor. 
Oh, I love that. Absolutely. I'd love to drop in on the, the, the devotional practice part. I noticed you were doing your 40 days of do- devotion and I absolutely love that. It's, it's super inspiring to see you in it. And I know when I was deep in my devotional practice, I felt like I was getting psychic powers. Like I actually mm-hmm. felt like I was really cracking the veil. And it was when I first moved to Bali, you know, leaving the drug game, leaving, leaving that, leaving addiction and then going into I'm a yogi now. And I was doing, I was practicing like twice a day. I was meditating twice a day. I was eating super clean and I was like, wow, I could feel myself vibrate higher. And then now being busy building businesses, I'm like, whoa, that part is hard to maintain, you know, full, full into that. It's difficult, but I know it's the way. And I notice when I'm very busy, I practice less and I don't get it because I know that's when I should be practicing more. How do you maintain such a busy schedule with your devotional practice and what does yours look like? Mm. So the context, just to go back, as I didn't have a devotional practice and I wasn't connected in that way and I was starting Mm. to notice like a subtle and sometimes not so subtle hum of anxiety that seemed to follow me everywhere and specifically in social situations and and still, by the way. Um, Mm. And I... Uh, ended up in a relationship with Andre. Um, we were together for three years and um, I love that man. I love that man forever. And he introduced to me to so many beautiful concepts. Um, and one of them was his devotional practice. And for every single day for the three years we were together, he never once missed his morning practice. He never once mm-hmm. missed his meditation. Even if we had a 6am flight, you know, he would get up super early at the crack of dawn and make sure he got it in, or he would do it at the airport gate before we got on the plane. There was mm-hmm. never an excuse. Mm-hmm. It was a non negotiable. It wasn't like, Oh, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'm not. He was not negotiating with himself. This is like, I sit in the car and put the seatbelt on. It's just not even a conscious thought anymore. It's just the way that he was operating. So at the beginning of the relationship, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, well, I wanted him to really like me and accept me. So maybe I'll do a devotional practice next to him. And then maybe we'll be able to be on the same page. And I would sit next to him and I was meditating, but I wasn't meditating for me. I was meditating for him. And we would be like in a meditation and I would just be like, <laughs> you know, I was just like, like going around, and he would feel it. Like he'd be in meditation, and he'd like open his eyes and be like, "Blue, it's really distracting." And I'm like, "Oh, sorry, must, must meditate." Yeah, yeah. But my monkey mime was like, "Come on, let's go play. There's a world out there. What are you doing? Wasting time, you know." So after after a series of time. He started judging me a little bit, which I can only understand. And um, he was like, you know, like, it's like, like I want to invite you to like really do it, you know, stick to if you're going to do it, do it. There's no point doing anything half-heartedly. And, and so I ended up taking a course um, with Sadhguru uh, called Inner Engineering. And it was like a oh, three-day, all-intensive. It was so intense. And yeah. I actually, I left that course for after three days and I was in my car and I had never been so high in my life and I was like high just off meditation and I was driving in my car and I remember yelling I want my life and just screaming it inside of my car and I was like what has happened to me I'm so high and it was three days of really really meticulously understanding breath holds and certain certain um squeezes in certain places I even know existed you know and like breathing in for four and out for five and 
focusing on the liver and then bring your energy towards that. And honestly, it was so complex. It took me three days just to teach this. And it was like eight hours a day. However, that planted the seed of what it actually means to be able to access the potential of our experience. And Sadhguru shared with me that um, it's not about it's not about trying to access being um, superhuman. It's um, it's recognizing that to be human is super. And like, that's the thing is like the superpowers or the superhero is kind of a little bit outside of ourselves and almost a little bit exclusive because it's like, how can we all access that? Do we all have superpowers? Are we all super uh, superheroes? Answer is yes, by the way. And um, the actual <laughs> realization is that oh my gosh, what I've already been given, if I just know how to work this machine, I can access states without anything outside of myself that is such a high octave that it lasts for days, weeks, months, if not our whole lives, in starting to operate at a higher frequency. So what I started to do, instead of meditating for Andre, I meditated for me, who would have thought? You know? And um. I, I started to create um, a 40 days of devotional practice. And the 40 days being that Sadhguru which share that um, 40 days is the, is the amount of time that it takes to rewire re your, your neural networks of your brain to create new characteristics, a new way of doing things. And so I would, you know, start, start the experience and it was like tough. But then over time, it got to the point where I craved, I craved my practice. And I was doing it every morning for an hour and every night for an hour for 40 days. So I did two practices wow. a day, two hours of meditation every day for 40 days straight. And I would wake up before the sun came up and I would evoke the four elements or the five elements, ultimately, earth, fire, uh, water and spirit. And there was like a certain practice that I would work with the elementals in the morning. And I swear, everything in my external reality shifted significantly to the point where my magnetism was so much stronger that I actually didn't need to necessarily go hustle or chase or like go and like you know, go get the thing you want. It's actually about aligning your internal reality and watching doors open. And so mm. that was like the flipping on its head because the matrix, as we call it, is that we are we are conditioned and we are celebrated to go and hustle and create and go and penetrate the world. And actually the, the, that's the masculine energy is the penetration, but the feminine energy is the receiving um, and allowing ourselves to align our internal reality and then receive from that space. And so um, I do my devotional practice every day and it's my place where it's no cell phone. It's quiet. I mean, I do use my cell phone because I, I do a time lapse because I am creating an online devotional um, challenge so that I keep everybody holding everybody accountable. Um, however, for me, it's about like also an opportunity when I'm time lapsing is that I don't touch my phone at all throughout the whole practice. And um, well usually it consists of many different modalities. But um, what I do is I, I do a sanskrit protection around every single area of my body where information enters or exits so it's a sanskrit prayer and i'll place like fingers and you'll see in my time lapses where i'm going like this and i like this and i like this and i do mudras and stuff and this has been taught to me by various teachers um that allow me to do a full protection around my body for the day i align with my intentions i focus on the things that i'm grateful for i say some prayers for everything that i'm so grateful for for the last few days that have un unraveled and um and um, have been revealed to me and then I will usually do a meditation and then I have a journal or a notepad if anything and any divine intervention anything comes through I um 
I write it down. And so I get quiet to start the day. Now, imagine if you did this every single day to start your day, how significantly different your life would be after 40 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love it. I did the inner, inner, inner engineering with Sadhguru in Malaysia. It was very powerful, but I was very new in my journey when I did it. I, I loved it. It was amazing. But I had a long way to go in just being devoted to myself. I was pretty new. So I remember, I think I made it like 15, 20 days and then I dropped off and I was like, man, it's just too long to do an hour. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't pull it off. And I know that when I was deepest connected to my practice, like I do meditate every day, but when I'm really busy, I'll do like a, a quick one. And I'm like, uh, you could have done a bit better, but I'm like, I'm just so busy. But I'm really inspired by you by stating that because I know this is the path. I absolutely know it. And I don't know if I told you how I actually came to meet you and get invited to Fit for Service. I... I moved back to Vancouver and I started getting connected to the Sikh faith again, where I grew up in Punjabi people are a lot of them are Sikhs. And, um, I started going to the temple that my family grew up to grew up what I grew up going to this, uh, Akali Singh temple. And I was upstairs by myself and I had the whole place to myself. Literally. I was the only one there. Cause I went at like one or 2 PM. So it was perfect. Cause there's no one there in the middle of the day. It was like Tuesday, 2 PM, absolutely dead empty. And it's just me. So I'm like, cool. It's just me and God. I have this whole place to myself. And what I love about the Sikh Punjabi culture is, or the Sikh um, faith, sorry, is they believe everyone's right. Like there is only one God and we are all worshiping the same thing from different vantage points. It's kind of like every culture knows how to cook chicken, right? There's butter chicken, there's Kung Pao chicken, there's roast capoyo. Everybody, everybody (laughs) loves chicken, which is, this is how you cook it makes it a different dish right just like all the faiths it's just a different version of you know chicken or god and so i really enjoy that about our faith we don't have that reference i made that up though and um what i loved was okay i just went there and sat and i enjoyed it and then i've been i really enjoyed it. i was like wow this feels good to connect to god and then i was like well pray and i forgot how to pray i never learned how to pray and all i prayed for that day was well I'm here in Vancouver. I'm here in the West. I want to make the best for it and serve at a deeper level. I just want to be able to serve at a deeper level. That's my goal for this year. I just want to be able to serve. And then I felt this full body tingle. And I was like, oh, okay, that was, that was the ticket. That's the one. When I feel those tingles, I know I'm connected to something, something true, something powerful, something where I need to go. That's usually my guiding point. And then literally the next day, Lucas messaged me. He's like, what are you up to? It's hanging out, man. What do you do? What's going on? He's like, do you want to come to fit for service? I'm like, yes. (laughs) So it was like, that was the connection. I could feel those two events were so, so aligned. That's how it happened. And and I love that we can ask something from the universe, but it's not like, yo, I want a Ferrari. It's usually something that is beneficial for others will come true. And so I enjoyed that part of it. And, you know, I want to ask you, because I've been curious about this. I've been asking a few of the people that I'm uh, interviewing is like, how do you pray? What's your method of prayer? Mm. Well, I just want to say, you know, if you want a Ferrari, that's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a Ferrari. Like everything <laughs> serves the sacred purpose. Yeah. Ultimately, there's different levels to it. Recognizing yeah. like there's the ego, yeah. which is self-serving. And then there's, there's the higher self, which is whole serving. Right. So like, it depends where you're praying from. Mm. If you're praying for a Ferrari, it's like self-serving. And also that's okay. If that's yeah. what you want, that's okay. And then there's also this whole serving, um, which is actually recognizing that a Ferrari is never going to give you happiness. It may excite you for a moment. It may be like, 
Woo! But it's not going to create a long, sustaining, lasting of, of happiness. Suffering ends when we're in our service. And so your suffering isn't going to end when you have a Ferrari. But if that's what you want, okay, go get it. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, prayer, prayer is not something that I do. It's who I am. Everything mm. that I do is a prayer. Every single thing that I do is a prayer. You know, people are super worried about that our cell phones are constantly tracking every single thing that we say and do. Well, are we not concerned that the Akashic Records is also doing exactly the same thing? And yeah. it's not even more. Like, our karma <laughs> is following us when no one's watching. When our phones are on airplane mode or they're not even in the room, you're still lacing what's to come based on how you show up behind the scenes and behind the moments. And so if everything becomes a prayer, not a performance, there's a difference, right? When you're praying, it holds a different vibrational charge than when you're performing. And there's nothing, again, wrong mm. with performing. It's just recognizing there's a vibrational difference in our intention. And so for me, if you were to look at my bedroom, you would see that everything in my room is a is is a prayer. It's an altar. Like I have my space of when I work. Mm. I have my space for when I do my healing or I have my musical. I have my altar, which is like a meticulous direct phone box to the beloved, to God, the goddess, whatever you want to call it, that that cannot be named. Um, and then outside of that, even just like washing the dishes or or making my bed that's a prayer to me like how present i am how i fold it what affirmations am i saying inside of my head it just gets laced and woven into my waking reality as opposed to it being like all right god here we are you and me right now even though that also is really beautiful so um there's that it's just recognizing that prayer can be a default of who you are and it goes hand in hand with the art of walking the beauty way and then outside of that my prayers are it's a conversation right now the the most resonant that i feel to that that cannot be named which is the creator um the you know there's many different ways we we, we have uh, associated with with that power, um, God, Goddess, um, Allah, uh, Buddha, um, you know, whoever it is that we're praying to. Um, however, for me right now, beloved is the, the term that resonates most. Um, and so I sit in front of my altar every single day and I recognize that I'm having a direct conversation with a vibrational universe. So every single word that I say, every single thought that I think holds a vibrational charge that emanates out into the quantum reality of infinite possibilities. And if we are operating mm. from a vibrational universe, recognizing that we are like a radio tower emanating a certain radio frequency. And when I am saying thank you, that holds a certain frequency that can only attract more of that than I'm emanating. So if I am doing a scan of all the things that I am grateful for or that I have been grateful for that has transpired that day what i'm doing is i'm sending out a signal to the universe that says a i'm abundant because i'm in gratitude <laughs> b these are the things where i'm sending my attention intention to be say thank you for and then all of a sudden what it's doing is it's vibrationally matching that frequency and bringing through the radio tower back in what it is that i'm emanating so if we to recognize that gratitude and giving is the frequency of abundance. We would not go another day without giving something or sharing something and saying thank you for as much as we possibly can. Now, the difference here with prayer is that just because you heard this on the podcast and you now go, okay, well, I'm, I, want, I want more, so I'm going to go and say thank you for all of the things. 
if that gratitude is not felt on a cellular level and it's mostly coming from here, it's not going to be received because the universe does not speak stories. The universe does not speak language. It doesn't speak French or German or English. The universe speaks energy. And if your energy is not aligned with your gratitude, then it's not going to work. And uh, so it's recognizing if I literally just for, for, for five minutes, do 33 inhale, exhale, hold on the inhale on the, on the 33rd breath and then get myself into a heightened state of consciousness, then fully exhale and let my whole body relax and then focus on the things I'm grateful for. You can imagine that that arrow that has just been loaded into the bow is so potent. It is so charged and it's going directly out to say thank you so much for the gifts that I've received today. And so praying is my telephone box to the beloved, to the great unknown, that that cannot be named, and to and to get on my knees and to just say thank you, to pray for those that I care about, to send love to those that are in my immediate circle. I have prayer beads and each bead represents a person that I love and I send love to them every day as, or as much as I can, whenever I feel inspired and just focus on emanating the frequency and that i wish i i wish to live and oh my god every, even and i'm not like even in front of the altar i'm sitting in my car and i'm about to go and have a meeting and i send a prayer up and i set my intentions because if you're not intentional with what your day is or what your interactions are looking like or even a podcast or any of that sort of stuff then it's like like lowering a bent uh, like sorry um loading a bent arrow into the bow and expecting it mm -hmm. to hit the target mm-hmm we must be intentional and we must be in a place of gratitude and recognizing that only gratitude and more things to be grateful for is going to be the, the byproduct of being grateful. So yeah, that's what prayer mm. means to me. Prayer is life. <laughs> prayer is my life. I, my <laughs> life is one living expression of a prayer. Were you always this spectacular of a human <laughs> or was there a unconscious blue before you were blue? What was that human like? And what was the shift to this epic, super mega deep goddess? Thank you for your words. Really grateful to receive them. And um, I definitely, since I was, a, since I was a kid, since I was born, my mom, now, listen, this may be a little bit biased, but my mum always called me angel dust. And she said, you're angel dust because all of the angels put, put the dust together and created you. Now, that's my mum, right? So she's super biased. She's like like literally DNA coded to say that. Um, however, um, there has always been a specific soul signature that there is a deep deviant in me. And what I mean by that is that I want to I've always wanted to go against the grain I've always wanted to ask why you know there would be things that were said to me when I was a kid when I'd ask like why do you have to do that I'm like well that's just the way that it is and I was like wait what like just the way that it is that feels like a cop-out like I don't I want to understand why why are we just doing because that's just the way that it is how many generations have we spent living a life because that's just the way that it is that's not the mentality that's going to change the right the, the get the revolution to move so that we can ultimately the revolution is self-love and everything stems from that so um since i was a kid i've always been curious and i've always been super creative and um i've always uh, been um like i love people you know like i i genuinely care for for babies and kids and 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 animals and humans like I've always had a deep love however there was like a significant amount of my life where I was doing things because that's like that's what everyone else did you know like I didn't I wasn't the full full embodied deviant that I am now um 
I think that there was like a massive turning point where it was like, wait, hold on. Life isn't actually exactly what I thought that it was. A huge part of that was um, working in a safe way in nature with psychedelics, specifically psilocybin um, at the beginning of my journey and recognizing that there is like a lot more going on here than what meets the eye and what I've ever been told my whole life. And so once that like lick of the mysticism of what it means to be human was tasted, then then there was an insatiable curiosity that I still hold in my heart today that I think that curiosity and the love in my heart for people um, has been the two massive ingredients that has catapulted me into a direction of recognizing that our uniqueness is our superpower. And the more wildly unique I become, the more magnetic I become, the more magnetic I become, the more incredible, remarkable humans that are attracted into my field. And the more I listen, the more I learn, because we speak of what we know, but when we listen, we learn. And then um, by learning through the different flavors of the human expression and listening to nature and studying with the plants and going deep into the esoteric studies while also quietening myself enough to listen to that which is needed in every moment has given birth to the authentic nature of who I am. And now it's become my mission to reflect back to others that anything is possible and for you to be you is the greatest gift that could ever exist. And how can I reflect the beauty that I see in you so that you can live a more empowered life? Wow. Wow, I love that. Every time you go on these amazing tangents, it's just like, <laughs> it's amazing. Now, I know I uh, I was a bit late today because we're setting up the brand new studio. So I know you got a lot of other things going on today in your goddess activities. I'd love to leave my listeners with something that you could give them in uh, in the sense of some 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 little nugget that changed your life and that it could be explained in a way that connects and inspires them to live on this path of devotion and living like a prayer and just being a bit more aligned to something higher and bigger and beyond themselves. I mean, the piece that's coming through right now is that it is really, really, really important that as you continue to be a student throughout this life and your curiosity being one of your greatest allies that exists, recognizing do not pedestal anyone outside of you that think that they've got something that you do not have. It's easy to be able to hear someone articulate themselves like I do. You know, I articulate myself in a way that delivers a message. However, um, the second that, that we outsource our power thinking, oh, well, this person's more evolved than me or this person has something that I don't have. Oh, you've disappeared. Are you still there? Oh, there you are. Okay. Just for a duck and you just bid. Um, the second that we pedestal someone or we think somebody has something that we do not have, then is the second that we actually leak our personal power. And the most important piece is recognizing that if you are breathing, if you have a pumping heart, then you have a, you have unique gifts that no one else on this planet can do. And it's your responsibility to recognize that there's two ways that we can respond to life. The inevitable, unpredictable nature of what it means to be human is that we are in co-creation with uh, something that is the same thing that created the fruit or to create the hum hummingbird. And if that, that nature can also be brutal like nature, you know, like, like can be destroying and destructive. And so the, the piece that we have, the power here, is how we respond to the inevitable unpredictability of life. Now, that very piece right there holds the seed of whether you create from creator consciousness or victim consciousness. And some of the greatest teachers I have ever met, some of the greatest inspirations in my life have gone through really, really intense hardships. But in the face of those hardships, at the end of the day, they've said thank you. 
And when they have said thank you, everything in their world has massively shifted because it has given them the power back to become the pioneer of that that was the unpredictable that was dealt to them. And every single person in life is dealt to them cards that are really, really, really challenging. However, what's going to ensure that you become a leader that walks from integrity is when you say thank you, when everything seems to be falling apart. And in that place, deep from a deep place of feeling, it will reveal the seed of your superpower that lies in the depth of your challenge because your greatest challenge is also your greatest service and your superpower that you get to give to others that are also walking similar paths. So just remember that as you continue to weave through the spiritual world and you have teachers and mentors and inspiration, you listen to this podcast, please energetically do not place anyone else's power above yours and utilize it as an inspiration to meet yourself in a deeper way. Blue, thank you so much for coming along. And everyone else, thank you for listening. Let's go. Mm -hmm.